Welcome back to When Fear Reigns. Our online community is growing. Join our discussion group at facebook.com slash groups slash When Fear Reigns. We look forward to hearing your thoughts on today's episode. Here's Dr. Parlo and Pastor Ben. Welcome to another episode of When Fear Reigns, where we talk about living your faith in the secular world. I'm Ben Workentine, joined as always by Dr. John Parlo. We want to address one of the philosophical issues posed by the whole, whole COVID pandemic. It's an important one that a lot of people are wrestling with, but it's not limited to the pandemic. It's about, you can think this about droughts or war, tsunami, hurricanes, all kinds of major events that cost lives, but it can be very personal too, really individualized. Things like the loss of a job, childhood, childhood abuse, rape, cancer, things that are catastrophic in the life of an individual. And here's the root of the question. Why do they happen? Why doesn't God spare us from these cataclysmic events? Thank you to Dr. John Parlow for helping us think through this line of questioning. First, John, I want to uh, I think we need to reckon with the grief that so many people are feeling right now, whether it's because of COVID or something else. Perhaps uh, it's not new for some, but for many, it's exacerbated by the situation swirling around COVID. Do you want to say a few words to those who are hurting in the midst of personal tragedy? Yeah, I, I would. I would think we have to empathize with everyone who's going through different phases of this. Some of us have loved ones, like I do. Both my parents have large targets on their bodies who are susceptible to this virus. As much as sometimes I think we've overplayed some of the application and the concern about this virus, it is truly deadly to people like my mom who has COPD um, and my dad who's, you know, recovered from a quadruple bypass. Obviously, that's a concern. When you're inside, a lot of people are having some spousal abuse, unfortunately yeah. and sinfully, as well as child abuse, uh, yeah. increased alcohol abuse, all sorts of things there. What, what I found really helpful is I read through the Psalms. Psalm 46 is one I'd recommend for everyone, where you yeah. talk about yeah. be still and know that God is still God. Um, mm -hmm. The Psalms, a lot of them written by David, uh, talk about the fact that man, my life sucks. It really sucks. I got this king after me who wants to kill me, or I've committed an incredible sin and I can't believe God forgives me. And the whole point is, our God is faithful and forgiving and merciful. And so I encourage people to read the Psalms during this time and be thankful of what God has given them. Uh, in prayer, talk about your sin, and the fact that you have a Savior every morning that gives you a fresh start. And the only reason I'm a pastor is because that's what I believe is true. I mean, if yeah. you knew who I was as a child, believe me, you'd never see me as a pastor at all. Yeah. And every morning, the fact that I am a forgiven child of God, not because of something I've done, but because of the the robe of Jesus' righteousness that covers me by faith, uh, understand that, that gets me up in the morning and it has for now well over 59 years. I know I'm dating myself now, but, you know, it's it's wonderful. God's blessings are incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I think there's a lot that goes into this whole COVID pandemic thing. I mean, you've got the, 
the fear that comes from, are you going to get infected? Are you going to be one of the number that die? But there's the whole ice. I mean, we're all isolated. We're all, you know, and especially uh, that's such so damaging on to mental health, trying to connect with people and being out, out and going through this routine and having all that turned over. Um, I think, you know, what you said made me think of our kind of our tagline at most at the end of most of our services, we say, you matter and you are loved, no matter what's going on around you, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what somebody else has done to you, you are, you matter to your God and you are loved. And I think that brings us to the next question, because it seems like a little bit of a disconnect or can feel like a disconnect. If I matter and I love and God sees all things, then what was he thinking as I lost a loved one or as some tragedy hit my life? Uh, why didn't he stop it? it? It can almost seem malicious, but I know it's not because God doesn't cause evil. So help me navigate those waters. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I mean, the first thing that Jesus followers have to do, that Christians have to do is acknowledge the whole, hey, why has evil or suffering come into my life? You got to be able to deal with that question because all of us do, whether we're Jesus followers or not. And we, you and I have touched on this before, and it's always important for Christians to be ready to touch in it. I mean, the, the question often is like, if an all-powerful God, if He's really all-powerful, how come is He? How come He doesn't stop evil? And the first thing mm-hmm. I, I would say, and there's a lot of things I'm going to say now, but and pick the one that works best for you and that you can share with friends, is evil can't be destroyed without destroying ultimately your freedom god made uh, god made evil possible in the sense that he gave man and woman free will men made human beings made evil actual imperfect uh, imperfect or imperfect check jeez uh, i can't even speak imperfectness <laughs> came through the abuse of moral perfection as free cre- free creatures uh, what happens is adam and eve decided you know I don't think God's really telling us the truth. They believed the lie of Satan, and it didn't work. God gave, uh, God, uh, gave us freedom so that we could love him, and not in a robotic way, in a, in a very free will way, not a forced love, because forced love is rape, right? And just because, because evil hasn't been destroyed right now doesn't mean that evil won't be destroyed in the future, um, the final chapter, as I've said many times in messages, hasn't been written. Now, uh, people will talk about how can God use evil in a world today? Well, God sometimes uses evil to warn us of greater evils, like a hot stove, right? You know, the idea that you and I feel pain helps us to understand, stay away from evil. Sometimes evil brings greater good. I think of the Old Testament uh story of Joseph in Genesis, where, you know, Joseph has some issues. He was a very self-centered guy. His dad really doted on him too much. And then there was a famine, and God ultimately used him and changed him to save the whole nation of Israel. You've got evil sometimes. Well, evil actually helps defeat evil. I Years ago, this is way before you, Ben, there was this program called the, the scared straight program where people used to bring kids into the prisons and say, and the convicts would say, listen, if you don't clean up your act, you're going to be where I am. Yeah. Yeah. Now you and I would say evil certainly defeated evil with the cross of Jesus. I mean, you go back to Job and see uh, the devil really thought Job would curse God with all of the evil he brought into his life. And in the end, 
Job ended up saying, you know what? God's still God. But especially in the cross, we see that God actually used the devil and his demons to push Jesus to the cross that ultimately defeated sin, death, and Satan. So you got to be careful. I, you know, I just had this discussion with my son who's a scientist. And he's a Christian, but he, he shares with a lot of people and has a lot of debates with people where, you know, there's, there's four different worlds God could have created. He could have, mm-hmm. God could have created nothing at all and said, okay, you guys all suck. I'm not going <laughs> to create anything. God yeah. could have created a world where there was no good or no evil. Nothing was wrong and anything goes. That wouldn't yeah. have worked. God could have created a world where um, we could only choose good. That's the whole idea of that we're automatons, we're robots that are programmed to do whatever is good. And then finally, the one that he did create, God could create a world that where there's a possibility of good and evil, then we choose a free will. Well, that's what he created so that we would love him from a heart of thanksgiving for all of his mercy and grace. So, you know, all of that has to be factored in. That's not an easy conversation to have with people, but it's a necessary one. Mm-hmm. And I think two things come to mind as I listen to your your um, kind of helpful points. One, it you know, if you're listening to this and you're kind of in a place of suffering right now, um, I, I think as as someone who has suffered, and I know know you have too, John, and in kind of personal loss or well, obviously you know, we called you as our, one of our pastors for crying out loud. Suffering has just mounted, but you're right. Way before that, with the satanic and wishlistic crime force of the United States, believe me, I've seen a lot of stuff that's not good. Yeah, and it, you know when you're the one suffering, it can feel like somebody's preaching down to you or just piling on. And and I want our audience to hear that that's not our intention at all. It's kind of to as people who have maybe come on the other side of it or have, have broken through just a little bit um, to, Hey, here's, here's some helpful things to think about. But the second thing that I thought of, I was actually just listening to a a Tim Keller sermon. Uh, He was talking about Job, the introduction to Job, who's this Bible um, person in the old Testament who goes through tremendous suffering, right? He loses all his kids, loses all his wealth, loses his own health. He doesn't lose his life, but it's pretty close. Um, and he was talking about the issue of personal suffering. And I loved what he said. He talked about the Jesus follower, and we all sh- struggle with this. We want to love God on our own terms. We want to love him for what he gives us or for what we can get out of him. And sometimes the suffering, especially when we don't see the point or we don't see the end, we don't see what we're getting out of it. Sometimes God is calling us to love him for his sake, not for ours. And I just thought that was so insightful, so powerful. Um, at least it is into my soul, because I, I know that I have um, wanted to follow Jesus because, uh, you know, it orders my life or it, it generally leads to a better life outcome or a better spot. You know, all those things that, that uh, sure. sociologists can do. Um, but when hurt comes, I don't see why, um, you know, the, the loss of a child, I don't see why that would happen. Um, and so, and, and in part of that is God saying, you don't have to just trust me, put your hand, put your, say, back up yeah, your you know, palm. I don't know that all that Tim Keller said, although he's brilliant um, and, and is a great writer is that, you know, with Job, 
Remember, Job doesn't see anything that happens. And when people say, when they read the book of Job, they say, I want a patience of Job. I always know at that point they never read the book, okay? Because <laughs> he doesn't have any patience, really, toward the end. The, the, the whole book of Job is about, okay, what does faith look like when your life's going down the toilet and your friends give you really bad advice for the most part? And, and, yeah. and when he gets to the end, even Job kind of loses it, right? And yeah. God points out, oftentimes the thing, the reason God puts suffering into our lives sometimes or allows suffering in our lives is because it drives us deeper into a relationship with him. And that's a hard thing to come to grips with. Over my years of ministry and life, I've realized that too. I thought to myself, hey, God, how come you're doing this in my life? And ultimately, I may not see the reason, or I may realize the reason at the end is because it gave, it kept me faithful to him. It kept me looking to him for strength and forgiveness and salvation. I, you know, yeah. I really think we can learn a lot from the past. That's one of the reasons I love the Old Testament. I love to preach in the Old Testament because it talks about God's power and his faithfulness and the fact that in like in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it talks about, listen, all those things are recorded so you guys actually know why God does what he does. Take a look. Yeah. See how it worked for people when they didn't listen to him. Didn't go so well. See what God did with people who had lives for some years that didn't go well. I think of Joseph. Everyone thinks, oh, Joseph believed God and was great. He had a lot of years, not a few days, yeah. not a few weeks in quarantine, right. years in prison. Yeah. And then God ends up making him the second most powerful person in Egypt uh, to save the nation of Israel through which the Savior would come physically. And I, I'm trying to think of that right now as I'm thinking, I hate this stay-at-home thing. I'll be the first to tell you I think this is a lot of political drama, but I'm not going to go any further than that because I don't want to turn off everyone listening to me. But um, yet, you know, it's some of it's necessary, some of it's not. But yet, you know, when you look at, okay, someone like Daniel, who's serving three different governments, or you look at someone like Joseph, who was in prison for some time? Or you look at someone who, like Paul, who's in prison a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have much to complain about. I'm, I'm trying to always frame my current, quote, suffering in the COVID-13 pandemic compared to that. And, and when I do that, I'm thinking to myself, I should just shut up. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, you, you uh, listed a lot of, helpful people in the old testament you know and i think of uh, joseph but you know david and the way he suffered the way he committed tragedy but he suffered in his life um the rape of tamar one of his daughters um job is just such a great example and that encouragement that comes from knowing faith in jesus does not equal a great life never have those two been equal um yeah that's jesus, the, that's the uh, what do we call that the doctrine of glory right like Unfortunately, yeah. Yep. But what it what faith in Jesus means is that the the tragedy and suffering of life is never suffered alone. There's always someone who's been there. Whether it's a you know a, a person in the Bible who has experienced something similar, this isn't the first time it's happened. That's comforting to me. Right. But more right. than that, 
one who came, Jesus, who came to live in the midst of suffering, to suffer those unspeakable tragedies so that we could have a miscarriage of justice ourselves and be welcomed into heaven. There, w- there is an end to the suffering, and it's not nothingness. It's not void. It's the fulfillment of all the longings and desires. Every perfect thing that, that we see here on earth is, is a pointing ahead to what, what is in store for us as we enter into Jesus' kingdom for eternity. As I think about suffering, John, I think of um, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, his words in Ecclesiastes, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Is that how a Jesus follower kind of looks at suffering and kind of, oh, it's just part of life and kind of the stiff upper lip. And, you know, you and I come from Germanic backgrounds and we, you know, our, our tribe thought if you weren't suffering, you weren't living. Um, <laughs> and so they kind of tried to find ways to increase their own suffering. Uh, who else would settle northern Wisconsin? But that's a different. Well, just so you know, just so you know, I come from a Russian background, which meant we we conquered the Germans and then flaunted it over you. But yeah, as you, you say, I'm, I'm I'm certainly half Germanic and half. That's true. Um, no, that's not the way we look at things. You know, I, I think that you and I have to understand that God has placed us where we are right now, and. Um, are there challenges? There's always been challenges because I'm a sinful human being. So are the people listening to us right now. And we live in a yep. sin-marred, sin-filled world with a devil running around thinking he's going to try to take away as many as he can. Not so they don't go to heaven, just so they can go to hell so he can spite Jesus. So I, I think that, yeah, we work while it's day. Um, I, I'd be careful of Christians with, I see a Christian fatalism today a lot of times where people say, well, I'm just, I'm just praying that Jesus comes soon so I can go to heaven. Well, he's got you taking an air right now to make sure mm-hmm. that you continue to do the mission, which is the ambassadors share his word and sacraments right now to bring people to the faith and keep them in the faith. So my, my whole thing is, I, I, as I told the staff, and you know this is part of the staff, listen, mm-hmm. this is a great time to be a Christian. If you would have told me back in the 1980s, Listen, you're going to be a pastor. You're going to be a, during a time that is unprecedented when mm-hmm. um, people are losing their minds and losing their faith and a number of things that you'll be able mm-hmm. to tell people, no, no, there's someone who has this in control. He's been there, done that. Don't worry about it. His forgiveness is still a healing. His wisdom still is true. And his salvation is still eternal. Hey. I can't think of a better time to be a pastor. Now, the difference is, Ben, I've got 10 more years. You have like 40 years, right? <laughs> and, and, and you know me. I don't think I'm going to retire very well. I'm sure my wife will tell me, look at me at, at points and go, don't you have someone to preach to or teach or something? Because I don't want you in the house, which I can understand fully, believe me. But my point is, Right now, we let's work while it's day. And it's a wonderful blessing right now to talk to people who are hurting, who are searching, who are asking really good questions that Christians, as First yeah. Peter 3 says, should be able to answer, at least give the reason for the hope that you have. So let's, as local churches and local Christian communities, whether that's a microsite or a multi-site or a, a congregation, Let's make sure we equip our people 
to answer these questions because right now, I believe more than any time in my lifetime, people are open to hear real comfort and real truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is certainly a unique opportunity. Um, and, you know, I, I just think about the, those deep connections between personal loss, personal tragedy and suffering, and the ability to speak your faith. Because I, I think, you know, the, the whole incarnational idea of the Christian faith, and what I mean by that is Jesus did not sit in heaven and save us from his throne. He came to be with people. He suffered with people. He saw and experienced suffering. I mean, he he mourned and grieved the loss of his friend. He he saw yeah. what it was like to be. Yeah. He had no place. Had and if he, you look at Lazarus, he, Lazarus or some of the others, Jesus brought truth and tears, both of them. He knew there was a spiritual yeah. component to us, which is very important, but also a human. Mm -hmm. Right, and I think that incarnational witness or or sharing of your faith. I was just just minutes ago texting with a friend um, who's asking, how do I share my faith with somebody, with an agnostic who's about to lose somebody they love? And really it's that, the answer is that incarnational. You just experienced, this friend of mine, just experienced loss in their own life, um, you know, uh, the loss of a loved one. You have walked that path. Walk, be their walking partner. Walk through that with them. Share with them what what helped you hold together. And when you fell apart, where did you go? It's not a matter of, I, I don't think in the middle of all this COVID stuff, we can just sit, you know, you and I talk from a stage and a pulpit on a regular basis. And that's good and it gets through to some people, but so many more people need someone to walk alongside them and ask questions and listen and be willing to be quiet. Don't be Job's friends and jump to conclusions, right? Um, yeah. incarnational. Not good friends. And, yeah. No, not good friends, right? Bad not good friends. Yeah. Um, so I, I just see those two as so closely linked. You cannot share your faith if you haven't suffered. Or I, I shouldn't say that. That's too far. It's really, it's really difficult to share your faith um, when you haven't suffered or when you haven't kind of come to grips with your own suffering. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. Well, thanks so much for listening today. I'm guessing you are grappling with grief, loss, tragedy, woundedness right now. It's a hard it's hard to live any amount of time on this earth without having tragedy enter your life. If you are in a place in your journey where you can uh, see and are willing to share uh, your how God brought you closer to him through this, uh, please be willing to do that. We'd love to hear those stories on our Facebook group. Uh, that's the Winfrey Reigns discussion group. If you're not in that yet, make sure you request that or reach out to one of us and, and uh, we'll invite you in. Uh, but that's a really good community to be talking about these kinds of things and how you um, model your faith through them and how you trust in Jesus through them. Uh, he's working in your life. Know that Jesus is working in your life and has only your eternal good in mind as he works through his word. May God be with you through this time of hurt. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next time on When Fear Reigns podcast, where we talk about living your faith in the secular world. Mm -hmm.